Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and with me tonight is Jason and Joe. We are all back together for the first time. Jason has returned from the 10-day IL retroactive back to uh, January 17th. How are you guys doing tonight? Definitely feeling much better, and uh, the wife is feeling better, so glad to be back uh, with you live instead of trying to keep up and doing a chat. <laughs> hey, you did pretty well the other night with it. i got to give you that. It, it is tough, though, to just do the chat. How are you doing tonight, Joe? Doing Joe, pretty still- good. Can't complain too much. All right. Other than the Irish are losing pretty bad to Duke right now. <laughs> Coach K. <laughs> Sorry, you had to know that was coming. All right, guys, yeah. what are you drinking tonight? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm Joe? sticking with my Evan Williams 1789 Coke. So I'm going to stick with that. No Mountain Dew tonight. No, no, no. I went the other way this time. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. What do you got, Jason? Yeah. So as we all know, uh, Wednesday is February 2nd or Groundhog Day. And I have a whiskey from, I believe it was pronounced Wiggle Distillery. It's out near Pittsburgh. And this is called Phil's Shadow. It is a collaboration with Punxsutawney Phil, the most famous groundhog in the world. And uh, it's a rye whiskey that was finished in maple syrup barrels. So it's got a little bit of a sweet flavor. It's a little smooth. It's not as smooth as some of the other whiskeys I've had, but it's a uh, pretty solid and a little tribute here for our uh, the big day on Wednesday for Punxy Phil. All right. And uh, will he see his shadow this year or we're going to have an early spring? I Personally, I am okay if he sees his shadow and we have uh, another six weeks of winter because uh, the snow so far has not been uh, adequate enough yet for me yet. And before you keep shaking your head there, Jason, keep in mind my kids are nine and ten or eight and nine and we'll have to play in the snow. My God. Yeah, well, he'll be ten in May. So, Jesus. Uh, yeah, keep. I- I'm fine with getting the warmer weather sooner and getting that baseball weather back. Well, yeah, I can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Won't do us any good to get the weather back if they don't make a deal. Well, there's also that, too. So, guys, tonight I am drinking a Golden Road Brewing Mango Cart, the Mango Wheat Ale. I can't remember if I drank this one over the summer or not, but solid wheat ale. It's a little bit sweet, but it's very tasty. That is really delicious. That's one of my favorites, I think. All right. So let's get started. Before we hit the NL West, we're going to start with the Hall of Fame tonight. And after the BBWAA last year said nobody makes it in, we did have one player make it in, and it was on his first ballot. David Ortiz was elected uh, with 77.9% of the vote, so a little bit over the 75% threshold. Um, Big Poppy is the second player who's played DH to make it, I believe, the first primary DH because uh, I believe Edgar Martinez also played um, infield before they moved him to DH. So uh, Poppy would be the first primarily DH only player to make it into the Hall of Fame. Um, Some notable denials. Uh, Barry Bonds, 66% on his final ballot. Roger Clemens, 65.2% on his final ballot. 
Kurt Schilling, 58.6 on his final ballot. And then uh, Slam and Sammy, only 18.5% on his final ballot. So um, before we look at the other guys who aren't knocked out for good, um, do you guys think the uh, baseball writers got this one correct? Joe, what do you think? I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that Poppy was able to get in on the first shot as a primary DH. It's, I mean, it's groundbreaking, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, I, that just seemed to kind of surprise me just a little bit. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, to see Roland's numbers where they are, you know, already five, you know, five ballots in, that's – Positive news, I think, if you're a rolling guy. Um, I'm not surprised by Sammy. I mean, Sammy has basically been, you know, ostracized, for lack of a better word, um, by the Cub organization. So I'm not surprised that the writers feel the same way. Helps. If I'm not really sure if they got it right or not. Yeah. It helps if you unmute yourself. Uh, Jason, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm kind of disappointed this year. Um, if you're going to have David Ortiz, I I think it's a it's a shame to not also include Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling. Um, David Ortiz, while he may never have tested positive, he was linked. He was named. Um, I believe at one point he was actually suspended for, I, I believe it ended up being some random medicine or something like that, but to not have a player like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the hall of fame, knowing that yes, they were in the steroid era, but baseball turned a blind eye to it. Baseball, and the commissioners turned that blind eye to that entire era. So how can the writers focus on that? I, I just, I don't know, like, especially after the strike shortened 94 season, you know, they look to get rid of, they just wanted baseball to come back. So I don't know. I, it just doesn't sit with me that you, you have Poppy in, but Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling out. Now, I get Kurt Schilling said that he didn't want to be in there, which is probably why he lost ballots. Um, but looking at the numbers, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I actually thought Scott Rowland was going to get a higher percentage this time around, too. Yeah, so Roland's an interesting case. I'm going to touch on Roland in a second. Um, I do think we are going to see him get in uh, now that he's up to this, now that he's over the 60% threshold, but I could see a scenario where he won't make it, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, so here's the thing with Bonds and and Sosa and Clemens. I, yeah, I think you're right. Cle or Schill uh, Schilling, I think, shot himself in the foot. I think the moment he said that the baseball writers were like, okay, cool. Like gives me a vote. I can give to somebody else. Um, as far as bonds and Clemens and Sosa go. So here's the thing. Uh, steroids have been banned by baseball since 1991. 
Whether they were testing for it or not, they've been banned for that long. Yes, Poppy did. He he was a part of a group of players that were tested for different substances. They never specified what the substances were. And MLB has come out and said that some of the substances that were that they were testing for are legal substances now, so, which leads me to believe that possibly something like marijuana might be on there. Um, so, Jason, I, I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying about Poppy. Um, Joe, I definitely I, I was surprised he made it as a first ballot candidate. I never thought we were going to see a. I never thought we were going we to see a DH be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, frankly, I'm still shocked by it. The only the only DH I can think of that we should ever see as a first ballot Hall of Famer is Shohei Otani if he continues at the toward pace he did last year. But that'll be because he's a fantastic pitcher as well as a fantastic hitter. So, but that you know that's the thing. Steroids have been banned since '91. They all knew it's the same thing that I said with Pete Rose when we had that lively debate on does Pete Rose belong in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose will probably make it in eventually. I think it's not going to be until he's dead. I, and I think eventually some veterans committee is might consider putting Bonds and Clemens and so, so well, uh, Joe, I love Slam and Sammy. I think they're going to say Sammy's too much oh, of a one trick yeah. pony. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with that. I don't I don't think he really deserved it, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I, I mean, and, and that's coming from a Cub fan. I just didn't think he really deserved it anyway. Um the, the rest of these guys, it's it's kind of you have to decide what you're gonna do about it. If you're gonna put an, an exhibit into the Hall of Fame, or if you're gonna let these guys get in. And and the thing for me here is, did Barry Bonds ever have a positive test? Because I don't think so. So if he never had a positive test, you know, and and things like that, how how can you just say he 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 tests i mean you have to look at like the the bulk up and everything like that i get that but if the argument for ortiz is he has the numbers and he never tested positive neither did barry bonds and while we have that debate of who's the true home run king stats fact of the matter is barry bonds is your home run king and I don't see why he should not be in. And Clemens has insane numbers. Clemens was easily one of the best pitchers of his day. And, I mean, even Kurt Schilling, personal matters and politics aside, that should not matter. It's baseball. It's not personal human decency. So, I... I don't know. It just sits with me wrong that they're doing the way that they're going about it. It's, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. I have so, a bigger problem with, with Schilling and, and Clemens not being in than I do with bonds. But I, I think, I mean, those two were easily the best pitchers of their day. The sock game. I mean, that that's going to be a Red Sox lore for 500 years. So I'm going to agree with you partially. Schilling was one of the better postseason pitchers. He wasn't a phenomenal regular season pitcher, and his numbers show that out. He was he was good. 
was he one of the greatest regular season pitchers? I don't think so. He was still pitching in the era where you had guys that were able to get to that 300 win plateau and he fell woefully short. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, so did John Smoltz, but let's keep in mind, John Smoltz was a full-time closer for a couple of years as well. And he's the, he is one of two pitchers to go, what, 200 wins, 150 saves. You know, that's, you know, that's a unique number. That's not likely to be matched anytime soon. I, First of all, to be a good enough starter for long enough to get to that 200 win mark and then p- pitch long enough as a closer to pick up, you know, that many saves. So, and here's the thing with the postseason stuff. Schilling Sock is already in the Hall of Fame. The bloody Sock was taken from that game and delivered immediately to Cooperstown. So the Sock is already there. His postseason accomplishments are already there. I believe they have a whole wing now devoted to the World Series champion teams. So it's not like Schilling has been scrubbed out of the Hall of Fame altogether. I just I, is his are his regular season numbers good enough that he should have been elected? Ignoring the fact that he shoots off of his mouth like an idiot and basically told the writers, "I don't care what you do." So they said, "All right, fine, we'll use your vote for someone else." What do you think, Jason? I, I think his numbers should are, are there. I think he was a dominant pitcher. And while he did maybe didn't have the 300 wins, and yes, there were some pitchers that were reaching that plateau, uh, it's not just about who gets to 300 wins. It's, it's an all-around performance thing. And Schilling had a tremendous career with – three different teams. He he pitched great for the Phillies. He was kind of almost the only pitcher on that team that was uh solid. I mean, there were a couple like like uh Green and whatnot. But then he goes and he does what he does with Arizona and helps bring a, a world championship to that team with Randy Johnson. And then he goes to the Red Sox and he performed well with the Red Sox. I, it, it's hard for me to not have Kurt Schilling higher than 58.6%. Go. Uh, yeah, that's kind of, you can't argue with, with some of those results. I don't dive into the, the regular season numbers as much, but uh, um I, I mean, we judge a lot of, a lot of athletes by the number of rings that they have. We do that across a lot of sports, and the guy had, you know, played for three different teams, led two of them to rings. Something else I read. Do you think Schilling playing for more teams, do you think that hurt him? And do you think that because Poppy was pretty much just with one team, do you think that gave him a boost? I don't think so, because um, I, I don't know how important the teams are. Um, I, I do think it's it's more of the stats and, and things like that. So, um, I mean, I'm pulling up Schilling stats, and he had a few, like, potential Cy Young caliber seasons. Um, I mean, in – in 99 with the Phillies and figure 1999 the Phillies are not good here 
15 wins, six losses. Um, go to 2001 with Arizona, uh, 22 and six. 2004 with Boston, which would be the year that they won the World Series, 21 and six. Um, he's had mul- he had multiple uh, Cy Young caliber seasons. His overall ERA looks like was a 3.46, which is really so, especially considering pl- having some time in the American League. Um, career wins, he has 216, which, yes, that's shorter than the, the 300. Um, but I just kind of look at the way he pitched in those different seasons, and I I, I think he should have had more votes, if not be right at that 75 uh, threshold. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, so, so the guys who didn't make it that are still um, alive and fighting for next year. So interestingly, we only had two guys from the uh, current class of players that were added to the ballot this year that made it past the 5% threshold to remain on the ballot. Um, Alex Rodriguez had 34.3% and Jimmy Rollins, 9.4%. Um, Jason, I'm really hopeful that over the years, Rollins' candidacy will pick up some steam because he was phenomenal. Yeah, and, and I think it's I think you're going to see something similar to Scott Rowland here where he's going to bide his time. He's going to climb steadily each year as people drop off because, I mean, think about, you know, next year uh, you're going to lose Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, Sosa um, from this ballot. And in the next couple of years, you're going to have players that will probably be in there a little bit. Like you're, you're going to see uh, next year, Carlos Beltran and, and John Lackey. John Lackey is not going to get the 5% needed. Um, Beltran is probably if I think he'll sneak in. Um, and then after a couple of years, you have like Beltre, Utley, Maurer, David Wright, uh, Cologne and Holiday couple of those guys won't make it. So I think you're going to see Rollins steadily climb because I think fact of the matter is he is absolutely a Hall of Fame shortstop. His defensive numbers were there. His offensive numbers were there. Um, World Series champion, uh, National League MVP. Um, yeah, I, I don't – if Rollins does not make into a Hall of Fame, I will be really disappointed. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I'd expect him to get there. I I think he certainly deserves it. Uh, Everything he did in Philly on the field and off the field, I think. Um, I'm kind of surprised that A-Rod got as high as he did on the first round. Um, I I don't know if if that's because of his, you know, his television gigs and maybe he's built up some goodwill that way. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know that he necessarily deserves it, but we'll see what happens there. And that's what drives me nuts with the Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling stuff, because uh, A-Rod was suspended for a season due to positive tests, and he still got 34% of the vote. To me, it's to me, it's if you're going to vote for A-Rod, how do you not vote for Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling? Because he he tested positive. He was 
actually suspended for a full season. So I, I think if you're going to give A-Rod votes here, it's it's completely hypocritical to not give the vote, same votes to Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling. Right, and I think that's probably something – I think we, we're hitting the nail on the head here. I mean, if you're going to give a guy like that votes, it's probably because, again, he, he's in baseball media now. The other three basically have said – F it, I don't care at this point. You know, they, they've kind of ignored it or tried to ignore it. And A-Rod has, has built up some goodwill. I don't think he should be there. I don't think he should get there. But I, I don't know that any of us thought that, that Poppy should get there right away at least. Yeah, I was shocked a little bit that A-Rod got a third of the ballot. But at the same time, I'm not completely shocked. Um, Jason, I completely agree with you. I don't even think A-Rod should be eligible on this ballot, period, because he was busted and suspended. But, you know, that's not my call. And I'm wondering if a lot of those people that did vote for A-Rod did vote for the other three as well. Um, I know Sammy has lost a lot of support. And again, I think, but I think a lot of that could be because all he did was hit home runs. He didn't really do anything else spectacularly. So um, I was happy to see Wagner still getting some positive movement upwards. He went up to 51%. Andrew Jones is getting some traction at 41.4%. Sheffield's still get, still gaining a little bit at 406 but he is on his eighth ballot. So as much as I'd like to see the uh, chef of Atlanta sneak in, I, I think it's going to be the same kind of idea. One trick pony hit a lot of home runs, hit for a lot of power, didn't really do a ton else. Uh, looking on here as well, Jeff Kent, 32.7 on his ninth ballot. I think he's, I don't think he's going to get enough push next year to get in. Uh, Manny Ramirez. I don't know what the hell Manny's doing on the ballot. Please see previous rant about a Rodden being suspended after being caught. Also again, Manny's, I can't stand Manny. I hated Manny being Manny. Um, that's just me personally though. Um, Andy Pettit's support has been dropping. He's down to about 10.7. That was after his fourth ballot. I don't see Pettit gaining enough support. He didn't really have great numbers in the po- in the regular season. He had a lot of postseason numbers. He has some rings with New York, but again, he was also directly indicted with the Valco. And I I don't think he's I don't think his numbers are enough to wow people like Clemens' numbers were that he's going to be able to um, sneak through from that. All right. So, you know, I also found it interesting, guys. Uh, we had two of the newcomers, uh, Carl Crawford and Jake Peavy. They didn't even collect any votes. <laughs> you know, we, we had talked about guys with really short peaks, and while they were good, they just not good enough, uh, at those two guys right there. All right. So some other guys coming up in the future years, and this is why um, I see that there may be potentially a problem for Roland in the next couple of years, I think he really needs to get in next year because if he's held on to 2024, um, he's going to get, I think he's going to get pushed back under a little bit because you've got Adrian Beltre coming in. Who's one of the best third basemen. The three of us have been able to see play in our lifetimes. Um, I mean, if you compare Beltre to Roland straight up, there is nobody in the world who would give a vote to Scott Rowan and not give a vote to Adrian Beltre. And the 2024 class has a lot of good talent coming in. You've got Chase Utley coming in, who I don't think he's going to be first ballot, but I think he is going to make it eventually, kind of like a la Rollins. 
Um, Joe Maurer is going to be an interesting case. David Wright, although I think David Wright's injury bug is going to knock him off like Ryan Howard. Although he might, he, he played long enough, he might stay on for a couple years. I don't see him making it. Big sexy Bartolo Colon will be on. Um, you know, the guy pitched for uh, what, what feels like basically from the time we were all born until now. And uh, also Matt Holiday comes on in 2024. And then you've got a lot of star power coming in 2025, too. You've got CeCe coming on. You've got Ichiro. And I swear, if Ichiro's not a first ballot Hall of Fame, uh, I don't know who is. Uh, Ian Kindler will be coming on. Dustin Pedroia is coming on. And Felix Fernandez will be coming on. Um, so, you know, I, I do think Roland's going to make it. But I really think if Roland doesn't get in next year, I think it's going to be difficult for him to get in after that. Uh, what do you think, Jason? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be tougher for him. I still think he gets in. Um, with him being at the percentage that he is now, um, I'm scrolling up here just to double check where he was, 63.2%. And the two people above him that had higher percentages were Bonds and Clemens who were dropping off. Um, so I think based off of who's going to stay on this ballot and – who's coming in next year. Roland has to make it next year. I I don't see, unless people are turning in empty ballots and blank ballots, I don't see how Roland doesn't make it next year. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I'd agree. I think um, the, the space above him is getting cleared off. I do think, that 2024 class and, and 2025 class is going to be full of some guys who would steal some of that. So I, I do think he still gets in. Um, I think Sheffield is going to be a little more tricky. I think Billy Wagner could be a little tricky for him. Um, he's only got three more years yet there, I think. Um, mm. I, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do think he should get in. Um, I, I think this year or next year is the year to do it. Yeah. It, it makes me worried um, about, about um, Andrew Jones because he is defensively, he is the greatest center fielder to ever play the game. The, the advanced metrics favor him over almost anybody other than maybe Willie Mays. And he had a great bat. I mean, I know his peak wasn't great, but he put up tremendous numbers before he fell off. Um it, you know, we'll see. I, I really hope he does make it in by the end, but by the end, he might be around some crowded classes. So, you know, same issue there. Um, I The only the other big guy I'm pulling for, like I said a couple weeks ago, uh, Billy Wagner. The dude was a tremendous closer. But I, I was reading a story about him. Did you know he was that when he was growing up, he was actually a right hand. He's normally a righty for everything. He was pitching right handed, got hurt. So he switched and used his left arm so he didn't have to stop and found that he could actually throw the ball harder with his left arm. That, that's freaking incredible. All right, guys. Do you, anything else Hall of Fame-wise for you guys? All right. I have a quick little story I want to do a slip in there. Um, uh, there was a, a plaque for Jackie Robinson that was placed um, outside of his birthplace in 2001 outside of Cairo, Georgia, to commemorate him. Um, it was discovered last year someone had shot it multiple times because, you know, racial tolerance in the South, it's such a thing. Um, the vandalized plaque is going to be given to the Kansas City's Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and they're going to put it on display. It's going to be 
uh, the display will open in mid-April. It's going to coincide with their 75th anniversary celebration of Jackie breaking the color barrier. Um, Museum Community Engagement Manager Keona Sink said in a tweet that the vandalized marker will, quote, serve as a reminder that the ugliness of America's past persists to this day. I think that's a great use for the plaque, and uh, hopefully we can maybe knock some tolerance into some thick-headed individuals. That's I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, next up, guys, we have uh, one of our collective favorite video games to play, MLB The Show. Um, we've announced the cover athlete for the show 22, and it's going to be none other than Shohei Otani. He becomes the first Asian athlete to be featured on the cover of a video game in the that's centered in the U.S. around the four major sports. So congratulations to Shohei. And he's also, and this surprised me, he's also the first member of the Angels to be featured on the cover of a video game. I'm shocked he beat Mike Trout to the punch on that one. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, aside from Mike Trout, I'm also surprised that Ichiro was never featured on a cover there. Or even going back even further now, this is probably early video game, more like PC video game, but Hideo Nomo. Um, I, I think it's it's really surprising that he's even the first Asian athlete to be featured in the as the cover athlete for uh, a game surrounding the four major sports. But great for him. Anything from you, Joe? No, I'm looking forward to it when it comes out. I'll, I'll, I'm certainly going to get that and check that out. And I mean, it, he's earned it. That's I mean, that's. I will I'm be not very. By it. Yeah, and I will be very disappointed if they don't have some kind of version that. Instead of like the show with S H O W twenty two, they need to drop the W, make it the show without that W twenty two. Like they have to. It, it it would be too easy not to. You know, if you're gonna tee the ball up that high, you gotta swing at it. <laughs> or at the very least, they have. If they don't play with it somewhere, I I'm gonna be very disappointed in the publishers. All right, guys, let, that's enough general news around baseball. Uh, nothing really new about the CBA. They did meet again Tuesday. Nothing major came out of it. They're still talking. Um, uh, spring training was originally scheduled to start on April 14th uh, for kit pitchers and catchers to report. So, yeah. So, Not April. <laughs> oh, did I say April? My bad. Yeah, February. Yeah, well, I, I know the way things are going right now. Maybe it will be April. God, I hope not, but... Eh. Yeah. So as Joe famously said several times now, lock them all together in a room and tell them they're not allowed to come out or use the bathroom until they hammer out a deal. And also I say pump in plenty of water and whatever else is needed to uh, speed up the urgency thereof. All right. looks like Joe temporarily disappeared. We'll see him when he comes back. All right, Jason, let's get started with the Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks had an absolutely terrible year last year, unless they were playing the Phillies. The Diamondbacks went 52 and 110. They finished fifth in the West. Um, uh, you know, a depth chart with nothing that's really crazy scary. You've got uh, Car- Carson Kelly, Christian Walker, Kettle Marte, Josh Rojas, Nick Ahmed, um, David Peralta, Dalton Varsho, Pavin Smith, Zach Galen, Madison Bumgarner, Merrill Kelly, Luke Weaver, um, Humberto Castellanos. Now they did uh, pick up Mark Melanson as a new closer. So, you know, for the 
15, 20, 25 games that there will be an opportunity to save. At least they've got a guy you can trust to save as he was the, um, actually the major league save leader last year, if I remember correctly. Um, so uh, the Diamondbacks, they've made, you know, they picked up Melanson two years, 12 million with a 5 million mutual option for 24. They picked up uh, Kyle Nelson. He was a waiver claim and they got Jordan Lupo. Luplo in a trade with Tampa Bay. They sent over uh, Ronnie Simon. And let's face it, Tampa Bay is willing to trade prospects. You're better off not trading because usually Tampa Bay knows better than everybody else. That's just my personal thought on that. So, uh, Joe, I'll let you start off on this one. What do you think of the Diamondbacks? Well, I mean, so far they haven't done anything to improve on where they were at. So I, I don't see anything really changing for them. Uh, I, I mean, Melanson's worked a few games, but. I mean, they could potentially, I guess, win five or ten more, but I, I don't really see them making any kind of push here. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, well, Joe, I'm, I'm glad to see that you came back. You disappeared there like the Cubs in June. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, the, the Diamondbacks, I, I looked at this, and, you know, we were, go we were, we were coming at this from a where do they need – talent where do they need to improve and i'm looking at this and my initial thought goes everywhere <laughs> um like they have a couple okay bats they they have a couple okay pitchers um i am high on dalton varsho i think varsho is going to be good um and then they'll trade him away uh, um and they have some good prospects in the minors. Um, their uh, draft pick from this past season, he's it's of course it's going to take a couple seasons for him to be ready. Uh, but Jordan Lawler, uh, he's people are high on him. I think Zach Gallen is a decent starting pitcher. Madison Bumgarner is still plugging along. He he does decent. I'm waiting for him to drop off though. Um, I. I, I, they, there's just too much that they need. I, they're going to have another hundred loss season, I think, since they don't get to play the Phillies all day every day. Um, so I, I think you're going to see them maybe at 55 wins. What do you think for wins, Joe? Yeah, I'm with Jason somewhere around 55, 57 tops. I, there's, you know, when, when we, watch like the NFL draft and you said the you know, Cowboys, oh, they need this, oh, they need that, or the Vikings need this or they need that. The list is way too long when you list the needs for the Diamondbacks. And Melanson may plug a hole, but that's about all. So. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, by the way, in the uh, shopping list for the Vikings, Joe, it's uh, pretty damn long, including salary cap space. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I, Jason, you, you hit it on the head. You look at this lineup and what can be improved? Pretty much every position other than maybe uh, second base with the Kettle Marte. That might be the only position they don't need need to immediately improve. Um, this is a team filled with holes that is not likely to be uh, tremendously better next year. Um, I mean, you know, when the craziness of free agency reopens, I'm sure they'll be able to snag a couple decent pieces that they'll then be able to trade at the trading deadline to, you know, the Dodgers, the Braves, you know, the Yankees, whoever the heck else is going to be pushing for playoff spots because, you know, that's what the Diamondbacks do. 
Um, I think I'm going to put them right. I think I'm only going to like 53, 54. I think even saying 55 wins is a stretch. The Giants, I don't think are going to be as good next year as they were this year. I don't think the Dodgers are going to be quite as good next year. But I think the Rockies will be a little bit more improved. The Padres should be improved. So I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to be able to really gain very much from where they were. Um, so I, I I have to ask this. I wish Jim was here to ask this. Um, who's going to have more losses next year, the Orioles or the Diamondbacks? What do you think, Joe? Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. Jason? Absolutely, the Diamondbacks. The Orioles have too many good prospects coming up at some point. Uh, that will just get them some extra wins on their own. Uh, thinking Grayson Rodriguez, thinking Adley Rutschman, uh, plus the the players that they have coming back already. Um, Diamondbacks absolutely will be uh, worse out of the two. Yeah, I agree with that as well. All right, guys, let's move on to the Rocky Mountain High, the Colorado Rockies. Colorado Rockies last year, they were 74 and 87. They were fourth in the NL West. And of note, they did very well against both the Braves and the Phillies. Freaking Rockies. Um, looking at the depth chart, uh, they've got Elias Diaz catching, CJ Cron at first, Garrett Hampson at second, Ryan McMahon at third, Brendan Rodgers at short. I, It is, you know, I know we were expecting this. It's so weird to not say Trevor's story there because he was there for so long. In the outfield, you've got Ramiel Tapia, Sam Hilliard, Charlie Blackman is still there. Um, not a Terrible starting rotation, not a great one. Uh, Jermon Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Austin Gomber, Antonio Sen uh, Senzatella. They've got Carlos Estevez closing. They still have Daniel Bard, Lucas Gilbreth, Robert Stevenson. Um, so Antonio uh, Senzatella got the big deal from the Rockies so far, a five-year, $50.5 million deal to avoid arbitration, along with a team option for 2027 at $14 million. Um, watching him pitch last year, guys, um, despite playing in the thin air of the Rockies, he pitched better than I expected. And I, I actually like that deal. I don't think that's an, ex, I don't think that's an extreme deal one way or the other. So, um, hopefully that works out well for both player and team. I like the deal for CJ Cron two years, 14 and a half mil. Um, and they, uh, brought back Julius Chessin for one year, 1.25. Hey, why not? It's a, it's a let's see what you got kind of deal with a bunch of incentives as well. Um, so I think they'll be improved a little bit. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, they should be improved a little bit. I think it's still hard to see kind of what happens at short. Um, yeah. You know, do they decide to spend money after the deal's done and bring backstory or, you know, do they do something crazy or do they go after somebody else in free agency? Um, you know, I, I think losing John Gray is, is going to hurt them quite a bit. Um, you know, that that's kind of a big letdown for them. I think Marquez is, is excellent, easily the ace of that staff. So um, they've got some pieces. CJ Crone's pretty good. I, I'm really interested to see what they do again once – I, I say this, I think, with every team, but once things open back up, it, we'll see what these teams decide to do and what they decide to spend money on. What do you think, Jason? I actually think they're going to be worse, um, especially if they don't make another start, make a starting pitcher um, adjustment, and if they don't 
especially if Trevor's story is gone, which I, I think he will because he is just going to get paid. Um, you're losing two really big pieces of, of that of that team. So I, I think their infield is not a, nearly as good. Their, their outfield is okay. Um, starting pitching, aside from uh, Marquez, it's iffy. So I, I think you're looking at them dropping a little bit. Um, I'm going to say like 68 wins. Ooh, that's a significant drop, a six-win drop. Yeah, and, and the main reason for that is you're losing Trevor Story's bat and glove, and you're losing a solid number two to number three in John Gray. Um, you you only get to throw Marquez out there once every five days. So if you don't make an adjustment there, uh, you're going to be losing John Gray's wins. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, win total wise, I I agree with Jason. I I think somewhere around there, sixty eight, sixty six, somewhere in there. I they they didn't add enough so far to really impress me as far as being able to maintain that. I mean, can we also look at the fact that they had seventy four wins and what the Rockies have or the Diamondbacks have fifty two? It's quite a significant difference between last and fourth in that division. Jeez Louise. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is that the top three teams in that division just are going to beat up on those two. Well, you definitely saw it with the top two teams this year before the uh, wheels completely fell off the uh, San Diego wagon. Um, two things. There's a couple things I'm thinking that might help the Rockies, though. Um, Ryan Rollison, one of their lefties in the minors, he should be getting pretty close to coming up. Elahurius Montero should be getting pretty close. Ryan Velade should be getting pretty close. Um, The Rockies don't have a bad farm system. So, you know, if some of these guys come up and get hot right away, especially the hitters, because as we know, in Coors Field, anything can and does happen at any time. You know, that that could be all they need to get back to close to where they were. Yes, the loss of story is big. I'm also not going to rule out, though, that the Rockies won't just throw 16 or 17 Binks armored trucks full of cash at him and get him to come back. It, it's I know they're a small market team. They're not really known for huge deals, but they've wanted story to be re-signed for years and years and years. And I have a feeling, you know, he'll let them know what the offers are on the table. And if they can throw enough cash his way, he will come back. I think. Um, another prospect to keep an eye on is Zach Veen uh, in the Rockies farm system. Uh, he might be a year or two away, but I think he's going to be pretty solid. Um, and I think that the thing with the Rockies trying to resign story, I think stories at the point in his career where he's not focusing on the money he wants to go somewhere that he's going to have a good chance at winning a title. And he's not going to get that with the Rockies right now. Um, they, they need too much. And I, I think it's not so much the money aspect. He's going to try and find a, a good contender. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. So I think I'm going to put them right around where they were. I'm going to say anywhere from like 72 to 75 wins. 
I don't think it'll be a significant gain or loss either way. I, I think they'll be able to find enough wins to replace Story. All right. Anything else in the Rockies, guys? I, I mean, I, you said they've been wanting to re-sign him for a long time. I think if you really wanted to re-sign him, you would have done it by now. I mean, and that's going to get back into the whole why the hell isn't Freddie didn't Atlanta resign Freddie Freeman two hours after the World Series? I, I don't have an answer for that, and I wish I did. And, and I also think if the Rockies have been wanting to re-sign him and they haven't, um, it might be from Trevor Story's side of things where maybe he doesn't want to re-sign. I don't know necessarily that he doesn't want to resign, more so that he wants to test the market and see what he's worth. Because I I don't I don't remember the numbers, but I was reading last year the Rockies have thrown some pretty big contracts at him, so I think they would be willing. You know, he's a franchise guy. You don't just let a franchise guy go for nothing. So I I know it's hard to say, and especially because we don't know uh, what if any rules are going to change with free agency with the CBA. But I could see it happening. I don't think we should completely shut the door. I think if if they had made any substantial offer and he wanted to take it, he would have taken it by now. Um, I also think that if if they've made offers and stories said no thanks, then they did a disservice to themselves by not trading him last year. Well, there is that. I I said it. I said when we did our trade deadline episode last year. I think my exact words were, what in the hell were the Rockies thinking not trading him at the deadline? I think those were my exact words, actually. Because to this day, that makes no sense to me. When a, guy, when a guy that big is leaving as a free agency and you don't have guaranteed in writing that he is coming back, why don't you trade him to get something before he walks away and you get nothing? It makes no sense. All right, guys, anything else on the Rockies? You good? You good? All right. Let's move on to the San Diego Padres, one of the arguably uh, uh, most underwhelming teams from last year from what we all expected them to be. So unlike the White Sox who underwhelmed in the postseason, the the, uh, Padres decide to underwhelm in the regular season and just fall completely apart. So the Padres, who came out of the gate hot, ended up under 500 at 79 and 83. They were third in the NL West. I mean, we were talking for the longest time that they were going to be one of the wild card teams with whoever didn't win the NL West. So, all right, looking at the depth chart, you've got Austin Nola. They also acquired um, Jorge Alfaros. They've got Eric Hosmer at first, Jake Cronworth at second, Manny Machado at third, Fernando Tatis at shortstop. And as we learned last year, uh, Fernando can also play anywhere in the outfield if they want to save some wear and tear on him. Plus, if the DH does come to the NL, I'm sure Tatis is going to get at least one day a week where he gets to just DH and not have to worry about getting beaten up on the field, and they'd be dumb not to. Um, in the outfield, they have got, have uh, Jerickson Profar. They've got Trent Grisham, Will Myers. Their pitching rotation, not bad. Joe Musgrove, Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, Mike Clevenger, Chris Paddock. They've got Emilio Pagan closing. They also picked up Luis Garcia. They still have Drew Pomeranz, Austin Adams, um, Craig Stamen, Pierce Johnson. Um, so uh, Pierce Johnson was an option that was exercised. Same with Stamen and same with Profar. Um, Jorge Alfaro, that was a trade with Miami for either a player to be named later or cash. So we don't know what's going to go there. Um, Luis Garcia was a new signing. Corey Rozier, they picked up from these in the Seattle trade um, along with Ray Kerr. So um, 
they did lose a whole lot of players. Like as, like we mentioned already, they lost Melanson, who's with the Diamondbacks. Um, Daniel Hudson's gone. Tommy Pham's gone. Uh, Jason's favorite former Philly, Vinny Velo's gone. Ross Detweiler's gone. Uh, Marisnik's gone. Um, they traded Adam Frazier to the Mariners. Uh, so a lot of upheaval with the Padres this offseason. And it also shows with, um, you know, you had a change at manager, and I think a lot of the coaching staff got sacked as well. So this is a hard team to put the finger on how they're going to be. Uh, on paper, they they look like a team that should be at least capable of 500 ball and better than, frankly, better than 500 ball with some of those bats. And they're pitching. I mean, it fell apart last year because the offense died out. Uh, from Guys, I think for me, this is one of the hardest ones to figure out and predict what the hell is going to happen. Uh, Jason, why don't you go first on this one? Jason, unmute, buddy. Thought I had already been unmuted. Anyway, um, we talked about how they were underwhelming, but we need to remember they weren't underwhelming the entire season. They were underwhelming the last month to month and a half. Um, like they just completely fell apart after the all-star break. Um, and I think a lot of this has to go back to the culture of the clubhouse. Uh, I think, you know, a manager lost, lost the team, didn't make the right decisions. Um, but they're going to, they, they have that new manager. Now they, they made that change that they needed. And, I mean, getting keeping Austin Nola, get trading for Jorge Alfaro. I think I thought was really good. Um, it, that's an upgrade for them. Eric Hosmer should be solid. Cronenworth is a young stud. Um, Manny had a great year. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be an MVP candidate for a while. Um, their outfield is solid. Starting pitching is uh, fairly decent. Uh, one through five. Um, Relief pitchers, if if there was a spot that they would potentially struggle, I think it would be with the bullpen. Um, I, I I think re-signing Profar was was solid. So I I think they're going to get second in the division this year. I, I think having that change in leadership because uh, they also really they also let go of their general manager. If I remember, I, I don't remember that exactly, but. Um, they have a change in leadership and I think it's going to be for the best. And I think you'll see them get second and I'm going to go out on them. I'm going to say they're going to win about 10, 10 more games. They're going to go uh, 89 wins. Good jump from Jason. All right, Joe, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of to like about this lineup. There's a lot to like about this team. I think, um, you, you know, there was a lot to like before they fell apart. Um, uh, you know, they mismanaged Fernando's injury clearly last year. Um, you know, you, you nip that in the bud in May, it doesn't become an issue in August and September. So, um, clearly there's mismanagement from top to bottom, at least from the management side of things. I think player wise, they've got, a, there's a lot to like here. Yeah, and, you know, the interesting thing about the Padres, too, they were still plus 21 on the run differential despite ending the season on a 2-8 and eight skid. 
So it's not like the team can hit. Hitting is not the problem, but timely hitting was the problem. They had a lot of games. Jason, they reminded me in some ways of the Phillies where they had games where they would just mash the ever-loving crap out of the ball, and then they had games where their bats would completely go silent and they'd hang their pitchers out to dry, which we'll be talking about a lot in two weeks when we talk about the NL East because it happened to both of us for a good portion of last season. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to jump 10 wins. But they should be. I think they should be quite a bit better than they were last year. I think they're going to be at least five hundred. I think I'm going to go about. I think I'm going to go about 85, 84, 85 wins for the Padres. That's my prediction. Um, Joe, did you give me a win total? No, I'd I'd say somewhere around 83, 84. Okay, right around there. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Anything else on the Padres? They should be an exciting club. I mean, let's. There's a ton of young talent in the National League right now, between guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna, Bryce Harper. I know he's getting a little older, but still, Juan Soto, like guys that should be competing for that MVP award every single year, and they're all locked in on these long deals. So you know they're not going anywhere, and it's going to be. It's going to be really exciting, I think, over the next five years to watch these young guys duke it out for that MVP award every year. I mean, that's also another reason why the NL is better than the AL, but <laughs> might be a little biased showing on my part there. I, I just you, you said that Bryce Harper's getting old. He's not oh, even no. thirty yet. Okay, and how old is Acuna? I don't know. Isn't it like 22, 23? I know I should. Before I said, as I'm saying that, like, like crap, I actually don't know the answer offhand. Made, made, made it, made it, made it sound like Harper's like gonna need a walker soon. No, no, no. Like, that's why hey, I tried Bryce, to walk prefer skis or tennis balls. Like, um, dude, Acuna's only 20, though. He's got a decade behind him. Um, Juan Soto is right around, Juan Soto's only 19. And uh, Fernando, I believe, is right around there as well. Hey, he's 20. So I'm sorry. No, he's 23. I'm sorry. I can't read. Anything. I'll say you just said Juan Soto's 19. No, I looked. At, Has I, he I been in the league since he was 12? No, like an idiot. I looked at the debut date. I didn't look at the birth date. Soto's 23. Yeah, I, I'm an idiot. You can call that one. Yeah. We need that, that okay. picture from the bench warmers of the guy who's got the, the grown like 40-year-old who's got the paper that's like, I am 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, Bryce, Har Bryce Harper is only entering the middle of his prime. Where's, where's Danny Almonte at? <laughs> Oh, there's a name you haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> oh man, every time every time somebody in the Little League World Series comes close to the perfect game, they're like, grab the birth certificate, go find it. <laughs> Do not let him Almonte another perfect game. <laughs> oh man. Oh, all right, let's move on to the Dodgers. In honor of the Dodgers, I am wearing, uh, for Bill Plasky, the uh, sterile shopping mall that was the uh, battery that turned into a bunch of uh, raving, crazy Georgians filling that park and making it incredibly loud on the Dodgers last year in the uh, NLCS. So the Dodgers last year, incredible season for both the Dodgers and the Giants. 
Um, the Dodgers went 106 and 56, and it's just insane that that was second place. I, I think we can all I, I think we can all agree on that. That was absolutely ridiculous. And not only was that second place, they also had a positive 269 run differential, which uh, was first in the majors by a very, very, very large margin. So the Dodgers, they were the first NL wild card, and they were eliminated by the Braves in the NLCS. Uh, looking at the depth chart, not a ton of turnover here. Will Smith is still catching along with Austin Barnes. They've got Max Muncy at first. Chris Taylor at second, um, coming on a new deal for four years, $56 million, with the team option for 2026 for $12 million. Uh, Justin Turner at third. Uh, from everything I've heard from his injury, he should be good to go on opening day. Um, Trey Turner at short. Outfield is still looking really good. A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts. And, of course, that's starting pitching. I mean, freaking awesome, man. Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, new acquisition Andrew Heaney on a one-year $8.5 million deal. Um, Trevor Bauer, I I don't even know if – I, I can't stand the guy. I really hope they cut him after everything from last year, but, you know, we'll see. And uh, for the record, Ozuna should be cut too. Um, their bullpen still looks fantastic. They've got Blake Trennian as the current closer as of now, um, now that um, Jansen is a free agent. They still have Daniel Hudson, Alex Vessia, Phil Bickford, um, Bruce Dark, Greaterall. Uh, guys, this team is still stacked. Even without Clayton Kershaw, that's still an incredible rotation to have. Granted, not quite as good as it would be with Kershaw, but then again, Kershaw doesn't pitch more than about a third of the year, maybe half the year if he's lucky anymore. So, you know, and he, you know, let's face it, Kershaw's not the guy you want to have in the postseason because he, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he did get his one ring finally, but let's face it, Kershaw is not known to be a, a postseason killer. Um, this is still going to be an incredible team, probably still close to 100 wins, I would think. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I really like this Dodgers team. Um, I mean, yeah, they're losing a, a few players like Kershaw, and which Kershaw has been injured frequently. Um, Joe Kelly, uh, Max Scherzer, I think, is going to be the biggest loss for them with that rotation, um, is especially if Trevor Bauer isn't back. Um, I think losing Nebel and Jansen can hurt the bullpen a little bit, but they have the gaps filled. It's a matter of staying healthy. I think um, they have some really good studs in um, in the in their system. Like I believe they have uh, Louis Angel, uh, Acuna, and um, unless he he may be with the Rangers. I'm trying to think back here. Um, but they also have a player, uh, Miguel Vargas, who's going to be a stud, I think, at some point. Um, I, I'm high on Bruzdar Gradle. I think he's going to have a breakthrough year uh, in the pen. Um, Gavin Lux, I think, it is going to get better. Will Smith. Um, yeah, I like this Dodgers team. I think that... I don't think that they're going to get to the 106 wins that they did last year. Uh, I am going out on a limb and say, I think they're going to get back to the top of the division. I think they're going to, to win it this next year. And I'm going to go with about 102 wins. What do you think, Joe? Um, 
there is a ton to like about this team, the, the outfield in particular. Um, it, outfield infield is, is phenomenal. Trey Turner and Justin Turner, um, Muncie and Taylor, that's a solid infield. I'd love to have that one in Chicago if I didn't have one, some of the guys that I have. But, um, you know, I think um, – I'm not disappointed too much with the the Kershaw loss is not going to hurt them as much as I think Jansen and Joe Kelly will. Um, So I think they're going to lose a few games here on this. They're not, I don't think you're going to, you know, I think they might be an even hundred. I don't know that they're going to, they're definitely not staying at 106. I don't know if they'll retake the division or not. I think we can kind of, there's, there's too many what ifs at this point, but um, you, you know, as far as free agency, if they go after anybody with with all this money that they're not going to have to spend on on some of these guys. So I'd say right around 100 wins. Um, Brian Acuna was signed by the Twins. So. I was talking Louis Angel, Louis on hell, not not that one. No, isn't that the third Acuna brother? I thought Brian was the middle one. Or is Brian the cousin? It looks, it looks like Louis on Hell is actually with the Rangers. So, okay, uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Acuna's got a ton of uh, baseball playing relatives, and it's very hard to keep track of all of them since most of them are younger guys. They're just now being picked out of the international draft. So, uh, yeah, I'll try and keep better track of those guys as they get closer to the show. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to stick around my prediction. I think I'm going to stick right around 100 wins. Are they going to catch the Giants? That's going to be – I don't know if they are. I, I think the Giants I, – now, I don't think the Giants are going to win 107 next year. I think they're going to regress a little bit too. But I think the Giants are going to stay a game or two ahead. I, I think – and I might very well be wrong. You know, Jason's bias against Gabe Kapler is well known. But – I do think the Dodgers are going to be right behind the Giants next year. Regardless, the Dodgers are going to be back in the playoffs, whether they're in as the division winner or as a wild card team. They will be back in the playoffs, no doubt about that. I mean, uh, you could call it a bias against Kapler, but I mean, Kapler got Kapler. He did exactly what we thought he would do. We just <laughs> it just took till the till the you know till the postseason to get there. It's just. I, I still can't believe he walked into the most obvious trap that has ever been set up by an opposing manager that literally every other manager in baseball could see through. I can believe it. You know why? Because <laughs> he's Gabe Kapler. Because he's Gabe Kapler. <laughs> um, uh, looking back also at some Dodgers prospects, um, a couple ones to keep an eye out for. Uh, Michael Bush, uh, second baseman, uh, he he may be up this year, and I know that the team is high on him. Bobby Miller, uh, right-hand pitcher, and potentially this year, maybe 2023, um, Andy Pages in the outfield. Um, if anything happens as far as you know, their top players go, uh, they do have some depth there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna take the Dodgers as the division champs this year. Um, my dad's a big Dodgers fan. I was talking to him a little bit about them, and um, I think the Dodgers will make will do what they need to. All right, 
Anything else from you, Joe? All right. Let's move on to our last team in the NL West, the champions of the division last year and the owners of the best record in baseball. Not that it helped them in the postseason. You have the San Francisco Giants. They went 107 and 51, which is absolutely freaking incredible. Um, they were eliminated by said Dodgers in the NLDS in game five. Although the Dodgers still made the questionable decision of using Max Scherzer as a closer and effectively blew his arm out for the NLCS. Still don't understand why you pay Kenley Jansen all that money and don't use him in the ninth inning. I digress. Um, looking at the Giants depth chart, you've got Kirk Asali at catcher, Brandon Belt at first, who became what only like the 14th player to ever accept a qualifying offer. Um, Tommy Listella at second, Evan Longoria at third, Brandon Crawford at short, Darren Ruff in the outfield, along with Mike Yastrzemski, Lamont Wade Jr. Still a very solid pitching staff. Logan Webb, Anthony DeSclafani, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, Tyler Bede, um, closing Jake McGee, and also Camila Duvall, Tyler Rogers, uh, Darlin Garcia, Jose Alvarez. So um, Alex Wood, they brought back for two years, $25 million. I think that's about right for the value at this point in his career. I like the deal for Sclafani, uh, three years, $36 million. I'm actually surprised Sclafani didn't hold out for a little more money than that. Um, Alvarez was a club option. They brought back Wilmer Flores in a club option. And uh, Brandon Belt, like I said, only the, I think, 14th player to sign a qualifying offer. Um, the new acquisitions, they picked up uh, Alex Cobb, two years, $18 million, plus a $10 million team option for 2024. Um, they picked up Austin Dean as a white waiver claim, Hunter Harvey's waiver claim, and Joe Palumbo as a waiver claim. Um, the only ma a couple losses, Jay Jackson, they sent to Atlanta for a player to be named later, Cash. Uh, Johnny Cueto declined. They declined his option. Buster Posey retired. So it's th this is a whole new world seeing a catcher not named Buster Posey behind home plate for the Giants. It's, that's going to be weird to say for a while, I think. Um, Kazmir's gone. Kevin Gossman, he went to Toronto. KB is gone, although he's still out there as a free agent. Tony Watson's gone. Tyler Chatwood, Donovan Solano. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I would say an expected amount of turnover, you know, coming off a whole bunch of guys that were on short, you know, make it or break it, prove it deals. Plus, we knew KB wasn't going to be staying. He's a Scott Boris client. There was no way in hell he was going to sign a long-term deal after being traded. That's just not how Scott Boris will ever operate. Um, Joe, what do you think about the Giants? Um, I really, really love this pitching staff. Watching them a little closer in the playoffs last year, um, I was super impressed with them um, from, from a pitching standpoint. I think they have a lot of of core giant guys. You know, you, you come across, you watch some of these teams, and you you just know, like, um, Kershaw will, will always be remembered as a Dodger, regardless of where he goes. You know, these guys are, are believe in what they're, where they're at, these Giants uh, players. I think um, Belt is, is a huge uh, piece for them. Uh, Brandon Crawford's huge for them. You know, having Longoria, who – you know, some of these guys had a fantastic year last year. Now, is that just catching lightning in the bottle? I don't know. Um, you know, will some of these guys who had career career years after a little bit of a drop off drop off again? It's possible. Um, I, I don't know that they. I think they still win the division. I think. Um, you know, I'd I'd say right around 102, 103. Go ahead, Jason. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I believe uh, Brandon Belt was my pick last year for most underrated player at the beginning of the year, and he really had a good season. So I was really pleased with that, and and I think he he is good for that team. I I think that what's going to be their trouble here? Um, I mean, they, they also lost losing Scott Casimir, Kevin Gossman, um, Buster Posey. He he had kind of a resurgent year. Uh, he was, I believe he was comeback player of the year. Um, and you know, they, they lost, um, future Philadelphia Philly, Chris Bryant. Um, <laughs> so, um, one thing that, that I find interesting is, uh, seeing outfield and Darren Ruff. Um, he was a Phillies prospect, um, set, uh, double A records and home runs while he was in Reading. Um, never just did well in Philly. Um, struggled at the plate, struggled with the defense. So I'll be interested to see how he does. Um, I I think the Giants lost a bit. I I, th- I think last year they overachieved. Um, they had a great season, but I think we saw their uh, lack of experience and how they overachieved just by the way that they lost in the uh, NLDS um, losing to the Dodgers who were definitely a better team. Um, I, I think I said earlier that I saw the Padres as second in division. I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm going to actually have them stay in third. Um, Cause with, with a nine wins, they're going to, they're going to stay in third. Um I'm going to take the Giants as a second place team in this division, and I think we're going to see a drop off down to about 98 wins. Okay, so bigger drop off. Um, one thing I mentioned last year, I don't know if it was with you guys or if it was in one of the uh, solo podcasts I did after after games were done in the playoffs. I think if Brandon Belt hadn't gotten hurt, I think that Giants Dodger series ends differently. I think losing their the biggest bat in their lineup. Uh, almost completely doomed him. And the fact that they still pushed that series to five games and pushed it as hard as they did, that's why I don't think the Giants are going to regress as far as to the 90s. I, I still think they're going to be a 100-102 win team. And I, I, I think I'm going to stand by what I said. I think I'm going to keep them at first. Yeah, I think if if, if Bell's not hurt there, is Wilmer Flores up there in the bottom of the ninth? Or the top of the ninth? God, I hope not. I, I just maybe it's just me. I don't want Wilmer Flores batting anywhere in the ninth inning. Yeah, no offense I, to Flores. No, no. I, I just wonder if if that would have made a difference. Felt being hurt, I think certainly, I would agree did did hurt them a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, I, so- I think the thing we need to keep an eye out on is does Kapler learn from last year? Uh, and the postseason, um, you know, I know I was. I know we had talked about that we were waiting for that Kapler drop-off in the second half of the season, which didn't come until he completely overmanaged in, in the postseason. Um, so I, I think it's a matter of seeing what happens with Kapler here uh, in the, with another chance in that division. Um, I, I think if he... If he manages the way he did in the postseason, you're going to see that drop. I think if if he does what he did throughout the regular season, 
I think they'll fight the Dodgers for the division. I, I don't think the talent is there, though. Um, I, I think starting pitching-wise, they're, they're solid. Um, I do like Lo- – I like Logan Webb. I, I think that was – I think he's definitely one of their best pitchers that they have. Um, uh, Discafani, um, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, Tyler Bede. It's a little bit of a drop off there as you go down the list. Um, yeah, it's definitely not as deep as the Dodgers. I, I, I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and, and that's why I think they're going to end up falling behind because I also don't know that their bullpen is as strong as the Dodgers. So I, I think that's the starting pitching and the relief pitching, and even a little of the outfield. I, I do like uh, Mike Estrebski. I. I, I think you're going to see the, a drop off there from from those three areas: the outfield, the starting pitching, and the relief pitching. Yeah, we'll de- we'll definitely have to see. And uh, here's the thing, though: I mean, the one thing I was impressed with Gabe Kapler, ignoring the mismanagement of the offense in that series of the uh, of the uh, NLDS. The one thing Gabe Kapler finally seemed to have a grasp of last year was when to pull a starter and how to use your bullpen. And he never did that very well in Philly from all of the years watching him. He never did that well. And I will grant, I will grant you the quality of pitching he had was significantly better in Sanford's. Well, starters may, you could argue that Uh, relievers without a doubt, he had a much better bullpen to work with, but he didn't really make a ton of, um, managerial errors when bringing in his bullpen and using his bullpen. And that's uh, compared to what he did in Philly. That's a huge step forward. I think. Yeah. I, I think that was definitely a huge a, a step forward for him. Um, I mean, you're talking about the bullpens, which yeah, but the thing is you had a, a worse bullpen in Philly and you were still pulling the starter after five innings because he was at 80 pitches Um uh, the starting pitching in Philly while he was there was not bad starting pitching. It was bad management. Um, Nola was having a really good season when, when Kapler was there, but Nola didn't get the wins because Kapler would pull him out after five innings because he was at 75 pitches and the metrics and the analytics told him, Hey, you should do this. And he was like, okay. Um, he, he needs to make sure that he's not focusing solely on analytics like he did in Philly, uh, which I think he did learn a little bit last year that he needs to work with his gut. He needs to work with what he sees happening on the field. Um, Cause I remember, I think it was opening day uh, in Philly. Um, Aaron Nola has like maybe a one hit shutout is in the, sixth inning has thrown like 40 pitches and Kepler pulls him and Phillies ended up losing the game uh, when they were up like they had like a six run lead or something like that. So um, I think as long as he gets away from strictly analytics, uh, you'll see, you'll see a difference. If I remember right, that was against Atlanta, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought so. I remember that game because I was like, wait, Nola's gone. We have a chance. Yes, 
literally my exact thought from that game. I, why in the world, you know, I, I, yeah. Anyway. All right, guys, anything else for the giants? All right. So Jason finally has submitted a list of names for consideration for his new sh uh, show only Twitter handle. Um, the opt, and I'm going to throw these up on the Facebook page. We'll leave it up as a poll. Um, here are the options at dollar dogs, pod underscore Jason at DDAB underscore Jason, uh, at dollar dogs and Jason at don't go Jason waterfalls and at dollar dogs, beer underscore Jason. So these options will all be up there. Jason would like to say that his wife is not allowed to have any further influence on the pick for the name. Uh, Karen, if you want to tell me a good idea, I'll be happy to throw it up on the poll, but I can't promise you Jason will say yes if it's one of your picks. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, anything else for tonight before we wrap? All right, Joe, you good? Jason, you good? I think uh, Jason's battery just died. All right. So, guys, you can find us. The audio recordings are available on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Spreaker. You can see us live on our YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter. You can uh, find our merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash DDAB dash podcast. Hey, Jason's back on the phone. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, and thanks. <laughs> yeah, I uh, my my battery had died on the laptop, so I figured log in quickly here with the phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back. Um, you could follow us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash dollar dogs and beer on the Twitter page at DDAB underscore podcast. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Pyrolord314. Jason, for the last time, I hope, is at J-R-I-E-K-E-R-300. Joe's at Jolton Joe 35 we are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast, LLC, and we are sponsored by Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Lidditz. May your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs>